We'll now have our Bible reading. The reading is taken from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 15, beginning at verse 46. Then Joseph bought a linen cloth, and taking down the body, wrapped it in the linen cloth, and laid it in a tomb which had been hewn out of the rock. He then rolled a stone against the door of the tomb. Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of Josie, saw where the body was laid. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James, and Salome bought spices so that they may go and anoint him. And very early on the first day of the week, when the sun had risen, they went to the tomb. They had been saying to one another, who will roll away the stone from the entrance to the tomb? However, when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had already been rolled back. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe, sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. But he said to them, Do not be alarmed. You are looking for Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He has been raised. He is not here. Look, there's the place they laid him. But go, tell his disciples and Peter that he is going ahead of you to Galilee. There you will see him, just as he told you. So they went out and fled from the tomb, for terror and amazement had seized them. And they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Shall we pray together? Lord, may my mouth speak wisdom and the meditation of my heart bring understanding to awaken our hearts, expand our minds, and shape our identity in you today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. On this Easter day, I want to speak to you about how the power of the resurrection frees us from our greatest fears. You see, we're going to explore the story of Easter Day in the gospel of Jesus' life that was, that was written by Mark. I reckon it's the one that's preached on the least on any Easter Sunday because I actually think it's the hardest to preach on. And when we think about any story, what we know is this. Every story has a beginning. Every story has a middle. Every story has an end. Your story has a beginning. It has a middle. And it will have an end. And here's, if you like, the message from the beginning of the Easter story, according to Mark. Everyone missed the resurrection. Everyone missed it. The disciples, well, they didn't bother to turn up, did they? 
The women who go to the tomb uh, are clearly not expecting it, are they? They expect to, to find a dead body when they get there. That is, once they've managed to work out how they're going to get in. It's funny how grief, the things that grief does to us, doesn't it? Yet on three previous occasions, Jesus had said to his disciples, probably to those women who were there at the same time, that after three days, he would be raised back to life. And none of them took a chance on it happening. None of them were clearly suffering from FOMO, were they? And as a result, everyone misses the moment when Jesus walks out of the tomb. Every story has a beginning. Every story also has a middle part. And the middle part, if you like, of the Easter story according to Mark is actually what happens inside the tomb. In the words of the angel, God's messenger to the women. And actually, all that the angel says to the women, really, in many ways, is what they should have already known. You see, we can split the angel's message to the women in three parts. Here's part one. Do not be alarmed. Or do not fear, if you like. You see, when the women arrive at the tomb, they find that what they were fretting about on the way didn't happen because the stone's already been removed when they get there. Isn't that amazing how this happens in life so often? That what we're fretting about, about what might happen, doesn't occur? Well, that's the good part for the women, isn't it? Because then, as they enter the tomb, they come across the fright of their lives. They're expecting to find a dead body, which can be spooky enough when you go into a tomb. But to see an alive one, and an angel at that. Well, that's a different thing altogether. And quite literally, we find them, the women find themselves frozen in fear. It's one of the main ways that fear grips us, isn't it? To cause us to freeze. To cause us to, to paralyze us almost. You know what the psychologists will tell us, won't they? The psychologists will tell us this. That there, are, there are four great fears in life. The fear of failure, the fear of rejection, the fear of loss, and the fear of the unknown. And when we think about it, this past year has been a year of gripping fear, impacting, I, could, I would argue, maybe across all of those four great fears. Maybe we've found ourselves at times frozen in fear and hear then the words of God's messenger to you do not fear you see while fear causes us to freeze faith in Jesus' resurrection freezes you see I think I can make a case that in the Bible, the words that God says to us more than any other are those words, do not fear, which the women would have known. That's the first part of the angel's message, do not fear. Here's the second part of the angel's message to the women. 
Jesus isn't here anymore because he's been raised from the dead. You see, if you like what the women hear there is the great Easter message. But then I was kind of struck by Mark the Storyteller's attention to detail that runs all the way through this story, the the little words, the odd phrase that he just keeps throwing into the account to remind them of his attention to detail, of how the angel reminds two of those three women who'd been in that tomb on that Good Friday evening and saw where Jesus' body had been laid. And he says, remember, that's where he was put. And now he's gone. Do not fear. Jesus is not here. He has been raised. And here's the the third part of the message. Go and tell the disciples and Peter. They'll see him in Galilee. As he said. See, the angel actually tells the women what they should have already known as well. Not only not to fear, not only that Jesus would be raised from the dead, but also that what Jesus had told them on a previous occasion, you can go and find it in Mark chapter 14 and verse 28, of how after his resurrection he would go ahead and meet the disciples in Galilee. Did you notice the attention to detail once more? Go and tell the disciples and Peter. Why? Well, it's obvious. Peter, the disciple who denied Jesus three times. Peter, the disciple who probably at this time was frozen in the fear of failure. And Peter, the disciple, once he heard the news about the resurrection, who was probably also fearing the frosty chill of rejection from Jesus as well. Yet what the story of Peter's life testifies to in the words of William Barclay are these. That the most precious thing about Jesus is about the way that he trusts us on the field of our defeat. Every story has a beginning. Every story has a middle. And every story has an ending. And the ending of the Easter story here in Mark tells us what the women do next. Which at least initially is to ignore everything that the angel has said to them. They escape, don't they? Quite literally, they escape. They escape from the tomb, they flee. The Greek says that they were traumatized, almost in a trance. And as fast as they can, they run from that tomb and they say nothing to anyone. In one sense, it's the most unsatisfactory and incomplete Easter ending, isn't it? But actually, it's so human, isn't it? Because if fear doesn't cause us to freeze, one of the other things it causes us to do is to flee and run away as fast as we can. You see, God's message to the women was to leave their fear in the tomb and go and tell those closest to them the good news that Jesus had risen from the dead. And they do the very opposite because of their fear. It reminded me about a time, and I think it was this very weekend, into it, date anywhere, last year when, when George and I went into this place of fear. We went, if you like, for what I described as the, the worst food shopping experience of my life in a supermarket not far from here. 
You know, it was just after the first lockdown had been announced. And literally, I remember as I walked to that supermarket, I could smell the fear. And I remember going into the store and seeing the fear and hearing the fear. And you know what? I wanted to get out of there as fast as I could. It left me shaken. And then what I did was I took the fear out with me. And so the car ride home was not a good car ride home. Ever had one of those car rides home that's not a good car ride home? When you kind of row and you let things get over you and it got worse because we got stopped by the police twice. Not for my erratic driving, I should add. And that was only between St. Peter and St. Juan, but because they were stopping everyone, weren't they? And it reminded me how those women must have felt as they left that tomb. You see, like the women, I'd taken my fear out with me. And it was affecting me in ways that, that Jesus wouldn't want for my life. In fact, I was not living that resurrection life that Jesus promised. You see, the power of Jesus' resurrection life doesn't cause you to freeze in the face of fear. It doesn't cause you to flee in the face of fear. It actually frees you in the face of fear. And over the years, what, what I've learned to prevent that fear from causing me to freeze or to flee is to feed my faith in the power of Jesus' resurrection. Because ultimately, whether we feed our fear or whether we feed our faith will determine the roadmap and the path that will follow in life. You know, one simple way that I do this, and Easter Day is a great reminder, it's why Easter Day is my favourite Sunday in the year. It's why we always sing that first Easter hymn on Easter Sunday. You know, this time last year when we couldn't go into church buildings on Easter Sunday, I came in this building, I opened the door, and I sang that first hymn. It might not have been a good sound, but there's so much power I've found whenever I've felt fearful in life. Singing that first line of that, first, that hymn we sang, Jesus Christ is risen today. Hallelujah. And I found so often in my life just reminding myself of those simple words frees me from my fear. Whether it's when I wake up at 2.30 in the morning or whether it's when I'm fearful in another way. Of course, what the other three Gospels writers do is they kind of finish the story for Mark because that's where most scholars believe the Gospel of Mark ends. And of course, we know that the women did shortly afterwards know the power of Jesus' resurrection to free them, of how they do go out and tell the disciples that Jesus had risen from the dead. But I've actually come to realize that the ending of Mark's gospel kind of like isn't really incomplete 
or isn't really unsatisfactory, but that it's actually more deliberate than that. Because what Mark is doing, which he's done right from the start, is he's inviting you and me into that story. He's inviting you and me from our beginning, middle, or end, wherever we pick that story up, to overcome our fears and become part of his Easter story ourselves and to leave our fears in the tomb and tell those we know and love about the good news that Jesus has raised from the dead. You know, that's a message that gets harder and harder to say because we live in a world both globally and locally, that becomes increasingly hostile to Christians. On a world stage, the most persecuted group in the world are Christians. Whether on grounds of race, religion, sexuality or gender, what anyone, everyone else will tell you, the fact is that. And then on the local stage, you may have read this past Holy Week, the comment from the comedian Frank Skinner. I don't know if you saw it, who's just wrote a book on prayers. It's easier to come out as an alcoholic than as a Christian. It's why Mark's story, if you like, is a challenge to us. It's a challenge to not let fear grip us or cause us to freeze or flee, but rather to allow the power of Jesus' resurrection to free us from our fears, to leave them in the tomb, and to go out and tell those closest to us that Jesus has been raised from the dead. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.